Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, as well as your prayer requests. We have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time to do that here on Calvary Live to pray for you and answer those questions you have. So maybe you've been reading the Bible, and you, you've come across a text that you're not really sure, what does it mean? How does it make sense? Uh, we're here to answer those questions for you. And maybe uh, there's something you've just always wondered about, and you, this is the time when you get to call in and ask about that thing. Maybe there's something going on in your life or in the world, and you wonder, what does the Bible have to say about that? Those would all be great things to call in and ask about here on Calvary Live, as well as your prayer requests. So maybe it's not so much something you have a question about, as it is something you need prayer for, well, we're standing by to take your calls and pray for your prayer requests as well. And just know there are a lot of people tuning in from all over the United States and even abroad um, who are listening. And as we pray for your prayer requests, they'll be able to join us and say yes and amen as we lift that up to the Lord. So this is a great opportunity for you to do that, to call in and be part of the show. So I'd encourage you to be brave and uh, give us a call. The number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Once again, that text line is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. I want to welcome those who are listening in Colorado and up into Southern Wyoming here on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the Radio by Grace Network, which has stations all over the United States, but particularly in the southern U.S. It's a great network of stations based out of Amarillo, Texas, and they have stations all over the U.S., uh, particularly, again, in the southern states. So if you're listening on the Radio by Grace Network, welcome to you. Those of you listening on Grace FM, those of you listening on Radio by Grace, as well as those listening on gracefm.com and the Grace FM app, you're all hearing the show live today. It's April 8th beautiful spring day here in Colorado. It's a Friday. And we also want to welcome our stations who are listening on a one-week delay. So those would be uh, Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as Truth FM in Tennessee, and Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. So glad to have you with us, and we would love for you, no matter where you're listening from, to give us a call with your prayer requests and with your Bible questions, and just be part of the show today. So the number to call once again, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, my name is Nick Katie. I am your host here every Friday on Calvary Live, and it's just a, a great pleasure to speak with you, to answer your questions, to pray for your prayer requests. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this great city. And if you are within driving distance of Longmont, I want to take the opportunity right here to 
to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at our church. Our church meets every Sunday. Uh, we have three services, so 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. You're welcome to come to any of those. We have a full children's ministry for our 9.30 and 11 a.m. services, and we'd love to have you. So 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 our 9.30 and 11 a.m. services are also live streamed. So if you're not within driving distance, we'd love to have you join us online. You can find the video for that on our YouTube channel or on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. And on that website, you'll also find directions to get to our church. If you are within driving distance, uh, we'd love to have you. Our church is actually pretty conveniently located for those both in Longmont and those outside of Longmont, because we are right on Highway 119, which is the main highway that leads from I-25 uh, into downtown Longmont and then down into Boulder. And so if you're in Longmont or any of the surrounding communities here, or even a little bit further out, but uh, along that I-25 or 287 corridor or here in northern Colorado, we'd love to have you come out. We are studying currently through a series called Jesus Is, in which we're looking at the seven I Am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. We're almost done with this series. We planned it so that we would finish and culminate on Easter Sunday with I Am the Resurrection and the Life. And then right after that, we're going to start a series um, called So That You May Believe, in which we'll continue studying the Gospel of John. But the way we're studying it is that John's Gospel is structured around seven signs that Jesus performed that show that he is the Messiah and that he's God, and seven statements Jesus made that tell us who he is as the Messiah and God. So we've looked at the seven statements coming up to Easter, and now we're going to look at the seven signs as we work our way through the Gospel of John. It's been a great study uh, this Sunday, particularly. We're looking at one of what I think is actually maybe the most intriguing of the I Am statements. I think many of the other ones speak for themselves, but this one where Jesus says that he is the true vine, I think this one's really interesting because actually by calling himself the true vine, Jesus is using a metaphor which in the Old Testament was used for the nation of Israel, and he's applying that now to himself. So whereas Israel was, if you will, the gateway to be connected to God, Jesus is saying, it's not Israel. I am the way to be connected to God, right? Whereas Israel was meant to be obedient to God, and through their obedience, it would be a blessing to the nations. Israel failed in doing that, and Jesus says, but I truly have obeyed God, and I am the one who is truly a light and a blessing to the nations. There's a lot more to it than that, and we're going to get into it this Sunday. We'd love to have you join us for this important study. John chapter 15, um, Jesus is the true vine, is our study this coming Sunday. But again, if you'd like to join us online or in person, our website is whitefieldschurch.com. You can just search us up on there, and we'd love to have you. Well, let's go to our first caller today, Trisha in Georgia. Hi, Trisha. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, my question is related to um, my children. I'll just briefly, um, I grew up in a home um, that was not a godly home. Um, and there was addiction and there were other things. And I have a twin sister, and she and I got saved um, around 19 years old, and we came to know the Lord. And both of us, you know, basically dedicated our children to the Lord, and we, we you know, raised our children differently. We raised them in the church, and, you know, we've raised them with God's Word. And I currently have 
one child that's just going to be a senior in college, another one that's going to be a senior in high school, and I'm really having difficulty seeing the fruit in it. And, you know, in Proverbs, you know, where it says, you know, train up a child, and when he's old, you know, he will not depart from it. And I... um I don't know. I guess I'm seeking your wisdom about that and maybe some reassurance and also as a prayer request for for my children and for my um, sister's children. Um, we just yeah. really wanted to see if right generation for the Lord. We just really want to see something better than we are. And So anyway, thank yeah. you. Yeah, Tricia, I, I feel where you're coming from there. I'm a parent myself, and I, I got to tell you, I think that parenting – is a very humbling experience um, because, you know, I think that you realize as you parent, you know, how dependent you are on the Lord and how many things that I think as your kids get older, my kids are becoming teenagers, you, you realize how many things, um, you know, you, you don't have control over, even though you wish you did. And so uh, it's a humbling thing. It's something that causes us to just depend on the Lord and, and to pray. I know that it drives me to my knees all the time. So, uh, Tricia, the well, first thing I'd tell you about the proverb that you quoted about raising up a child in the way they should go. Let me just look up the actual address of that um, proverb because I want to uh, quote it correctly. So Proverbs 22, verse 6, and the King James, or let's say New King James, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So a lot of people read this, and um, the thing that you can miss is that if you don't understand what the proverbs are about then you can you can uh, this can lead to either pride or condemnation so remember that the proverbs are principles which are generally true they're principles for life what they're not is they're not promises they're not hard fast rules that are always true and to prove that you can see throughout the proverbs here's a good example there's one place where in the proverbs it says do not answer a fool according to his folly lest you become like him. And in the very next verse, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he think that he's right. So wait a second. Right. Does it contradict? Well, it doesn't contradict because the point is that these are principles and we need wisdom with how to apply the principles. But because they're principles, that means they're also not promises, which means that there's no guarantee. And here's what, if this was a promise, which a lot of people get mixed up on this. They take it as a promise rather than a principle. Right. It leads to either pride, right? Because if you, if your child does grow up and goes the way that you hope that they will, then, you know, you're patting yourself on the back for doing things right. And you're also looking down on other people whose children are struggling and saying, well, I guess they didn't do it as well as I did. On the other hand, it leads to condemnation if your kid if you're in that position, right? Of saying, Well, I tried to do everything right and my child still, you know, chose to go off in a different way. And so um I think this is one of those areas where um we can look at examples even from the scriptures of people who were godly and their children didn't follow in their godly ways. We can look at examples from life. Um and that should give us a little bit of understanding. I'm not saying it should uh, help us to take our foot off the gas, um, but it should give us a little bit of understanding about the nature of people and the nature of how this works. Uh, I guess my my advice and my counsel would simply be be praying for those kids and um, and continue to reach out to them 
you know, I don't think that at those ages, I don't think you've yet seen the full fruit of everything you've poured into them. And, you know, if you think about planting seeds, isn't that just a huge act of faith? I mean, gardening is an act of faith, isn't it? You're putting something in the ground and watering it, and you continue watering it, even though you don't see anything sprouting up yet. And you're just trusting the process. And so um, I would just advise you in that, that this is, uh, this is something that God is going to use in your life to keep you seeking him and praying um, and just continue, you know, watering those seeds in faith and planting more seeds, trusting that God's word always accomplishes what he sends it out to accomplish. It doesn't come back void. Amen. Thank you. Well, let's pray. Let's pray for your children and your sister's Please. children. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we pray for Tricia and we pray for her sister. Lord, we pray for their kids. And Lord, we just come and we just beg, Lord. We, we, we beg and we ask, Lord, please take hold of their hearts. Lord, don't let them drift away. Lord, just grab them and bring them to yourself. We think about Saul on the road to Damascus. And Lord, we ask for that kind of experience where it's like the scales would just fall from their eyes and they would see you, Jesus, as the, the true and beautiful one that you are. And we pray that they would fall in love with you. And I pray that you'd give Trisha a lot of wisdom and her sister as well and how to speak about you, how to draw their kids to you, how to answer their questions, and how to, through their lives and actions, make you appear beautiful to their kids as you truly are. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and thank you. Absolutely. God bless you, Tricia. Hey, listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Shannon, in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Shannon, welcome to the program. Uh, yes, hi. Um, my It's a prayer request as well as guidance and um scripture, looking for scripture to kind of focus on and pray over. Mm-hmm. Um, my father is currently, um, he was currently diagnosed with IPS, and he's is progressing very quickly, and um, he's acting out and kind of regressing um, in how he is treating the people around him. He's not been very nice. He's been very aggressive. He's been drinking quite a bit. He is an alcoholic. Mm. And so I guess my question is, is I know that I'm supposed to honor him, but I am also concerned with not setting healthy boundaries in the way that he treats myself, my children, my husband, my mom, when I am around him. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, That's a great dilemma there, isn't it? So, I I mean, I think that you are on the right track in this sense, that you understand that he needs extra grace and understanding for where he's at. And yet he does need boundaries because it's not, you know, loving or honoring to him, right, to not have those boundaries. And so every relationship's defined by them. And, you know, your job is on the one hand to honor your father and the other hand it's also to take care of your family and to lead and guide them as a as a mother and so i i would just uh advise you to to pray through that take it moment by moment um and you know i would also talk through it with your 
with your family. It sounds like you have family around. And, and so I would talk through it. One of the things I've found most helpful, we've had some situations like this in our family, you know, where we took in some family members and they had struggles and sometimes did things that we didn't like. Um, and one of the most helpful things was to talk it through with my kids and, and say, okay, here's why we're doing this. And, and here's how we're, we're responding in these situations. Here's why we're responding in this way. Um, and tell them about the tension. Cause I think, you know, I don't know how old your, your kids are, but I hope that they're old enough to maybe grasp some of the tension and, and they, that will help them towards maturity, right? To say, on the one hand, we want to honor God by honoring dad. And on the other hand, uh, we want to also, you know, uh, stand up for what's right and, um, you know, draw lines when someone's crossing them. So, uh, that would be my advice to you. I would also, you know, as you're talking to doctors as well, you know, ask them for their their take on those situations and um, and what's right and the right way to handle it, because they've probably got a lot of experience with that as well. So, yeah, he's he's currently in Reno, so we, you know, there's some distance between us, but we're planning on going to visit. And I got a phone call from my stepmother. Uh, she was pretty shaken up because he had lashed out at her and um, she wanted to kind of give me a, a heads up before we came out there what his headspace was. So that's why I was trying to be proactive and just, you know, how do I pray for this? Where, you know, what scripture should I be looking at to prepare my heart and my mind for that trip? Yeah, I'm not sure if I can think of any particular scriptures. I would advise reading through the book of Proverbs just because it is so helpful, practical advice for everyday situations. Um, you know, uh -huh. Colossians chapter 3 comes to mind uh, about, you know, filling, as you fill your, your mind with God's word, of course, you know, you're speaking to each other in you're living out the gospel, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you, uh, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, those kinds of things. And so, like okay. I said, yeah, I'd be reading those passages personally, and I would be um, praying, you know, praying to protect your, the minds and hearts of your children, but also praying that this could be a really, uh, you know, a, a moment in their life that leads to growth and maturity. And I would be seeking for opportunities to have those conversations, explain what's going on in your mind and heart. I would even tell them the stuff that you're you're praying through for your dad. I think it's a really big opportunity for you to bring your kids into it. So uh, let me let me pray for you as you do that. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray for Shannon and we do ask, Lord, give her a lot of wisdom. Give her guidance by your spirit as to how to prepare her heart, what to be reading, uh, the words to be speaking to her family members as they plan to go out, and how to love her dad well in the space where he's at right now. Uh, we pray that he would sense that love, that it would be felt and communicated and um, we just ask for wisdom, guidance, ask for protection for the hearts and minds of the family members as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Shannon. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Before we go to our next caller, let me give you the number to call and the text line to text in gotten a lot of text messages, but we have two open lines because uh, we went through two calls there pretty quickly in succession. So if you have a question about the Bible or a prayer request, now's a great time to call in with those. 
The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Steve in Augusta, Georgia. Hey, Steve, welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks, sir. What can we do for you? Uh, yes, sir. I was calling. Um, um, I've been, um, I suffered with a lot of guilt from the past. And um, I finally got into the word and, and kind of got over that. And now I'm just like stuck because I, you know, I had to, I had to apply for disability and I'm, I'm kind of stuck. I don't know what can I get, what could, what what can I do for God next? I just most of the time I I sit around and I don't get out, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out what can I do to, but at the same time protect myself from going back to to my old ways. Ah, gotcha. Does, does, does that make any sense? Oh, it makes sense totally. Well, let me uh, say this to you, Steve. I mean, I don't know about your ability, your physical ability to get around and stuff like that, but. Is there an opportunity for you to be involved in your local church or in a local church? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that. I, I, um, I'm looking for that. I, um, I'm, I'm going to try, try to go out Monday and um, do some. I'm, I'm going to try to get out. I'm gonna, I think what it is, is I just I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to go anywhere. <laughs> I, I, if that makes any sense, I'm afraid to, you know, because I'm, I'm not, not. I shouldn't say I'm afraid, but I'm just. Um, just um, wanting to figure out how do I know if I heard from God to, to do what he wants me to do, because I don't know if I'm going to make the right decision or do I just step, step out on faith and do it on my own. Yeah. Well, this, this is why I'm saying that, man, if you found a really good church, I think that could be really great. Um, I, I don't know your area. I've never even been to Georgia except for the airport. So... But I do, I do see, I'm looking on a church finder on calvarychapel.com, and there's a Calvary Chapel Church in Augusta, Georgia. If you just Google Calvary Chapel Augusta, um, you'll find it. It's right there in the heart of the city. And uh, that would be a good place. At least in sending you there, I know I would be sending you to a good place, a place that teaches the Bible and a place where you could just uh, you know, rest in the Lord and hear God's word. But here's why I think it would be really good for you is because then it wouldn't just be you sitting at home trying to figure out God's will for your life. You would have other people to be able to talk about it with you, people who will ha- happily pray for you. Right? You'll be sitting under the teaching of God's word. And um, maybe as you share you know, your needs, who knows what kind of doors and opportunities might open as well. And so I really believe in uh, God's work through the local church and so one, that would be like my first piece of advice. Of course, I'm going to pray for you, but um, my first piece of advice would be, you know, get out to a good church where you can get plugged in. And that will also provide you with some, I don't want to say accountability. I think that's what it is. It is accountability. But sometimes that word accountability can have kind of a kind of a weird overtone, right? Where it's like somebody's checking on you and looking over your shoulder. What we want instead is the good kind of accountability where it's actually what you would welcome. Like you're saying, you don't want to fall back into your old ways. And so, so to have some people who know you best and love you most is going to be really valuable. And I believe you will find that in the body of Christ. And so that's why my number one piece of advice for you is get plugged into a local church. 
That's amazing. That's, that's, that's I think I'm, I see God working already because who would imagine there's a Calvary Chapel in Augusta, Georgia? There is. There's actually also one in Aiken, Georgia, which it seems is um, about 15 miles down the road. But it looks like there's one right there in Augusta. So I would okay. uh, recommend you check that one out. So just search on the internet for Calvary Chapel, Augusta. should come right up. And let me Actually, also, let me pray for you, Steve. Heavenly Father, we pray for Steve just as he's struggling with disability, as he's struggling with some past habits that he's wanting to move on from and let go of and to grow out of. Lord, we pray that you would help him to get plugged in. We pray that you'd give him the faith and the strength, the courage to take that first step out the door, even the first step of typing into the search engine uh, to look for this church. And we pray, Lord, give him courage to take the step out there. And as he does, Lord, we pray you meet him as he takes that step and uh, help him all along the way. We pray that you would open some doors, Lord, for relationships, for opportunities, uh, all of those things that are going to be really beneficial to him. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Steve, it's so good to hear from you, and uh, just know there's a lot of people out there hearing your call and praying for you right now. And w you know what I would love is if you call in next week and let us know how it went there at the church. I sure will. And, and I sure will, sir. I, I, I'll keep calling next week. Once I find out on Google where this church is, I'll give you a call to know what I sure will. Thank you so much for your prayer. You bet. God bless you. God bless you, too, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Number to call is 303-690-3000. And our text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Samuel in Westminster, Colorado. Hi, Samuel. Welcome to the program. Yes, thank you for taking my call. And I do appreciate that all the stuff you guys do. There's a lot of good uh, information coming from you guys. But um, my question is, and it's not really a question, but last week I was listening to you and I was driving. You know, I, I listened to you on my way home. And apparently I misunderstood you because you were talking about praying. You said something about praying to the saints. And I, you know, and I just caught the end of it, but I know it's wrong. But what scriptures point away from that? I know the scriptures that point to it, but what are it, you know, it, I just think people need clarification on praying to the saints because dead people can't hear you, you know? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't put it in terms of dead people can't hear you. Um, I, I, I actually don't think that's the reason why we don't pray to saints. I think there's even some, some uh, perhaps even some evidence from the scriptures that those in heaven are aware of the happenings here on earth. Um, I could give you those. Um, verses if you're interested, but that's not why we don't pray to saints. The reason we don't pray to saints is because it's told us very clearly that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. That is a very important uh, verse. Actually, sorry, that's in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Furthermore, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says that he, Jesus is not only able to save, but he ever lives to make intercession for us. And so, you know, I've, I've known a few people who did advocate for praying to saints, and, and we can continue this conversation after the break if you'd like, um, just because I do have one or two more thoughts on it. But um, 
you know, what they always say is, well, those people are in heaven and they're essentially, if you will, sitting next to Jesus or sitting next to God. And therefore, you know, God, he's pretty busy with like all of his stuff. And so, um, you know, wouldn't it be good to pray to these people and then they can kind of pass on the message to God? Or they might say, if you pray to them, then they will pray unceasingly, like 24-7, for your prayer request to God. And they said, oh, you know, it's just kind of more efficient, if you will. Um, now, first of all, that's not at all in the Bible. And the other thing is that uh, it's absolutely unnecessary. Jesus, we can talk directly to, to God through Jesus. Well, we've come to our mid-show break. I need to put you on hold for the moment. We'll be right back in two minutes' time with Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Uh, let's see, I think we have one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, right before the break, we were talking to Samuel in Westminster, Colorado. Samuel, uh, thanks for holding. Uh, again, your question was about praying to the saints and the biblical basis behind not doing it. So uh, did I answer yeah. your question? Yes, Um yeah, I, I just, uh, okay, yeah, I, you did. It's just that it, it kind of surprised me, though, that, uh, and, and this is my opinion, that, I, you know, my dad went to be with Jesus uh, a couple of years ago, and to be perfectly honest with you, I just can't believe that he doesn't have anything better to do than to wait for me to talk to him, <laughs> you know? Well, and to be I clear, I, I don't think that, yeah, I, I don't I think that you that should that talk that to your dad. No, I don't think that you should talk to the deceased. I think the Bible makes that also very clear in the Old Testament, Leviticus 20, yeah. Deuteronomy 18. We shouldn't be speaking to the deceased. But my um, my point was just basically that I don't think the reason we shouldn't pray to saints is because we shouldn't talk to the deceased. I think it's it's much more significant than that. It's that we um, we have an intercessor before the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, we can go directly to the Father through, because of him. He's removed the barrier that existed between us and the Father. And so, I mean, it'd be kind of like, if if you have my number and you can just text me anytime you want, why would you text uh, somebody else who knows me? It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And during the break, I was able to look up something that I had been thinking about, which I wanted to share. And that is that um, John Calvin had written some really interesting stuff about this, about the origin of praying to the saints. You know, here's the first thing. Praying to the saints didn't even arise as a practice until at least the third century, which means 200 years after uh, Jesus. Now, what's interesting, the whole church at that time wasn't unified in the same way that we tend to think of, you know, the church being unified in the past. And so you had pockets of people doing this and other people who didn't do this. So there were some people who started doing it 
and John Calvin wrote about this in a in a work called A Treatise on Relics, in which he explained the the veneration of relics and prayers to saints, prayers for the dead, etc. And he essentially says that um, the reason why Christians started doing this was it became a substitute for pagan deities, and it took place during, like, if you would call what we call folk religion, meaning not what's officially taught, but what people do, even though it's not taught. And so, for example, they, he gives an example here, Calvin does, of saying St. Thomas of Padua replaced Mercury in that they both restored stolen property. St. Hubert, like Diana, was the patron of sportsmen and sportswomen. Right, uh, Saint Cosmas uh, became the replacement of another god who was the the patron of physicians. So this the idea of patron saints, essentially, and the, the when this really caught on as being like official doctrine in the Roman Catholic Church was in the time of Gregory the Great, which is in the five hundreds, late five hundreds. And so all that to say, um, you know, if we want to be biblically Christian. You know, if we want to take our theology from the Bible and not from tradition, you know, flawed traditions of human beings who oftentimes, like us, get off base, then we're best sticking to the Bible. And in which case, uh, I wouldn't recommend anybody to pray to saints. I don't think it's a biblical thing to do. Amen. Well, thank you. And that, that's really interesting about, uh, you know, John Calvin writing that. So I'm going to have to... I, I, that's kind of interesting. So I do have some, I'll make this real brief so you can get on with the other calls, but I do have some relatives that are Mormons and we've gone round and round about this, but yeah, so thank you very much because I know that it's the, the Mormons and the Catholics are the only two religions I know that do it. But um, yeah, the I East, appreciate Eastern that. Orthodox. Thank you for talking about John yeah. Calvin. I'll have to look that book up, but I'll let you go so you can get on with the other callers. But thank you so much for taking my, taking your time uh, for me. Absolutely. God bless you, Samuel. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Call us and text us with your Bible questions and with your prayer requests. Let's go to Sydney in Montgomery, Alabama. Hi, Sydney. Welcome to the program. Every day, you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. I do the program every day. But I got a qu- I got maybe a question. My daughter, I was trying to tell her about the Bible or believe in God or something. I was telling her about the Bible. And she told me, how did they write the Bible when they didn't speak English? So I didn't know how to answer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of information out there on this topic. Let me give you the answer real quick, and then I'll tell you where you can go to find more information. Okay, so the answer is the Bible was not written in English. The Bible was written uh, in Hebrew in, and in Greek, right? So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. And then um, as those documents were written, so they're written, by the way, over the course of 1,600 years, which is so it wasn't like somebody sat down and wrote it, right? These were 1,600 years, 40 different authors, and three different continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa, and they wrote in two languages, and many of these people never met, 
Actually, the, the way that the Bible came together is absolutely miraculous, especially when you consider that all these people who never met didn't speak each other's languages. They wrote this book, and it is without contradiction. It's completely a cohesive story that tells together. It's like the pieces of a puzzle. Everybody created a piece separate from each other, and you put the pieces together, and they form a perfect picture. And so the Bible was written in those languages, and the way that we are able to have the Bible in English is that we uh, have people who have studied those languages and are able to translate them. And by the way, most translations, the, the ones that are respected translations, they are actually done by committees. So it's not just one person, and you're not just you know at the whim of that person's skills or, or lack thereof. What you have there is a committee of people who've dedicated their lives to studying the biblical languages, the biblical cultures, and they translate the Bible into our modern languages. And so, um, you know, interesting thing, I, I speak Hungarian, and did you know there was a Bible in Hungarian before there was a Bible in English? And so uh, sometimes when I read the Bible in Hungarian, it, it just uh, always blows my mind that the Hungarian translation of the Bible is actually older than the English translation. But that to say, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek. Okay, 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 okay. Because I was, I was going to tell them that um, all these people that write the Bible, I didn't know how much. It's said 40. Mm -hmm, that's right. I was going to tell them. But look at the pyramids. All the pyramids align the same way around the world and these people never met. So you have to believe that these people were was, uh, given a talent by God. So, you know, yeah. it, was, it was difficult for me to answer her anyway. Mm. Well, if, if you want more information, I recently wrote a book and I have a chapter in that book about why we can trust that the Bible is reliable and that it was translated correctly. And so I'll tell you where to get that book. You can look it up um, in one of two places. One place is you can find it on my website, nickkady.org. So N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. And there's a tab there that says book in the menu. And so if you click on that, you can see where you can buy the book. Um, again, one chapter in there is about, is the Bible actually reliable? Can we trust what it says? Has it been given to us faithfully and correctly? And um, you can also find the book just by Googling it, you know, or by searching it on, on a browser and looking for it wherever books are sold online. And the title of the book is The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common barriers to embracing Christianity. So I hope that could maybe be a further resource if you or your daughter want to do any more research. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Me, I'm fine. It's my, it's my children. <laughs> could you pray for my children and grandchildren and everybody around this? It will work out. I'd love to. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, I pray for Sydney. I pray for his children. I pray for his grandchildren. I pray, Lord, that you would help him, that he would be able to answer their questions in a way that leads them to faith in Jesus. Lord, just like with doubting Thomas, you told him to not doubt any longer, but to believe, and you gave him the evidence to believe. And so, Lord, thank you that you are doing that with us as well. I pray for Sydney, Lord, give him wisdom with how to speak to his family about you, Jesus. And I pray that you would help them, uh, Lord, that truly they would believe. And by believing, they would have life in you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye.
Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air, answering your questions about the Bible, praying for your prayer requests. With that, we have one open line. The number is 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller, Victor in Havertown, Pennsylvania. Hi, Victor. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. God bless you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Pastor Nick, here's my question. There are three feasts in the Old Testament mentioned together, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles, in that order. Now, we know that on the Feast of Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. We also know that on the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and started the Church Age. Now, based on these two events, would it be safe to assume that the third feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, will also coincide with a major event in the Christian calendar? Mm -hmm. And if so, would that be the rapture? Mm. That's a great question. I know that many people have um, taken that view in the past, where they believe that the Feast of Tabernacles will uh, coincide with the rapture. I'm not sure that we have any, like, real proof that it will. You know, I, I think that um, it could, but I don't, I can't think of any particular proof that would tell me that it will, if that makes sense. Of course, there is no proof, but the fact that two out of three Mm-hmm. Somehow, I mean, if you do the mathematical probability of two events following each other, it's it's one over three hundred thousand, almost, because each event, the probability is one over three sixty-five. So one over three sixty-five times one over three sixty-five for two events to follow in that order is in the hundreds of thousands. So that's why I was wondering, there has to be some sort of a method to the to the system, method to the mm-hmm. madness, if you will, mm-hmm. that two out of three have already coincided with major events in the Christian calendar. And therefore, the question is, what will the third event coincide mm-hmm. with? Well, I will tell you this here. If I was going to get a little bit more into it, I would say this. If you look at the first couple feasts, right, there are seven, actually seven feasts that take place in the Jewish calendar. We get Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and the Feast of Weeks. Those all take place in the spring and, you know, Pentecost, I guess, late spring, early summer, right? So yes. those take place in that part. Then after the harvest come the next three, which take place in the fall or what we would call after the harvest, the end of the agricultural year. And those are the Feast of Trumpets. Then 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets is the Day of Atonement. And then five days after the Day of Atonement is the Feast of Tabernacles. And so if you look at those more in groups and what they represent, this, is, this would be an interesting analogy to think through, is that if these were intended to be symbolic and prophetic, then it would make sense, right, that you have the first four culminating with the day of Pentecost. And then what's the next thing to happen? The next thing is the Feast of Trumpets. 
in which a trumpet blast signals the end of the agricultural year, or to put it in more biblical or Christian terms, a trumpet blast signals the end of the harvest season. So if we would look at ourselves right now as being in the season of the harvest in which God delays his coming or Jesus delays his coming in order to um, let the harvest come in, then the end of that would be the Feast of Trumpets. That trumpet blast, we could say, could be referring to the trumpet blast we read about in Revelation chapter 4, as well as in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, which speak of the rapture of the church. Then you have the Day of Atonement and then the Feast of Tabernacles. Of course, the, the significance of tabernacles is that we are recognizing that we are sojourners here in this land, right? Like it says in the book of Hebrews, that those who died in faith died like Abraham who looked for a city but never found it here on earth. He looked for the heavenly city, the true home uh, built you know, whose maker and foundation, or a city with a foundation whose maker was God. And so I, I think there's something there. Um, I don't want to, you know, presume upon the scriptures, but I would say I think there's something there that at least makes it intriguing and interesting and very possible. Yes, and I would like to say this. You are right in that there are seven feasts. However, the three feasts of Passover Pentecost and Tabernacles are mentioned together in Exodus separately, mm -hmm. uh, aside from the other four. Right. And the first two of these coincided with some major, major events. Yes. So that's why I'm focusing on the Feast of Tabernacles as being significant, because it is one in a series of three. Yeah, I can see that. Well, good. Hey, let's pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Maranatha. That's what I'm praying. Amen. Amen uh, and amen. Thank you, Brother Nick. All right. Keep studying the word, Victor. Great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's go to Wanda in Maryland. Hi, Wanda. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Pastor. Uh, I had a question. Uh, the Bible, uh, Jesus spoke specifically about a person's heart going cold when he was addressing the different churches. Could, if, if, if you have that for a certain situation or a certain person, that you can't lose your salvation through that, could you? Now, just help me understand your question again. If your heart grows cold... Yeah, the there's a person in my life that, mm -hmm. uh, for, even for me to pray for him, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, there's no hate in me, but I just, I have no love for this person at all. He's done a lot of um, very, very bad, evil things. He's, mm -hmm. he's into things that are, um, that are against the law. And um, I have, I just want him to leave me alone. Yeah. And uh, I have friends who are praying for his salvation and, uh, you know, wanted me to pray for him also. I have a very difficult time praying for that anymore. Um, I just leave him in God's hands, mm -hmm. and that's how I, I leave the situation. I could not, when Jesus was addressing the churches about you've lost your first love, he was referring to 
um, he's referring to God, the Father, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, so if my heart was hard toward this person, that would not affect as far as my salvation or anything like that. Yeah, so I would just warn you about that. I'm hesitant to just affirm that it's okay to have a a hard heart towards anybody. And here's where I would go. I would just look at, you know, what are we talking about here when we talk about having a cold heart? Meaning this, if it's a matter of saying, you know, you feel like, you know, you, you had your time with this person, you've prayed for his salvation, you're happy that other people are praying for it, but you're not going to make this the focus of your life and your heart and your time, I would say that sounds okay to me. On the other hand, right, Jesus warns us about holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts in, in really the most serious terms possible, right? He says, if you don't forgive, you'll not be forgiven. Now, I'm not suggesting that you haven't forgiven, but I'm just saying that here's Jesus' words to us. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, Mm -hmm. on the one hand, you can say, I've done that, and it's not that I am holding on to bitterness, I have absolutely forgiven this person, and yet I would like to hand him over to the Lord and and not make this, you know, something I spend a lot of my time with. Um, I think that there's a way in which that can be good. But on the other hand, right? So this, these are the two things that we're holding in tension right now, right? On the one hand saying, you know, you are not the savior of this person. Your prayers for him, God can save this person with or without your prayers. And, you know, his salvation doesn't depend on you. I think that is absolutely true. And I think that should give you a release in a way. And on the other hand, though, if even the idea of praying for this person is so problematic to you, I would say maybe that is um, that is a sign that maybe you haven't actually uh, let go of this or, or truly uh, handed it over to God. And so okay. those are the two things to hold in tension. I'm a little bit hesitant to just say, yeah, it's totally fine to have a cold heart towards somebody. Um, on the other hand, I would want to express that I don't believe that his salvation depends on you praying for him personally. So mm-hmm. these are the two things we're dealing with. I would say, okay. continue coming to the Lord and just ask the Lord, like Psalm 139, Lord, seek me, know me. Lord, show me if there's any wrong way in me and lead me in the life everlasting. Man, that is, uh, that's a good prayer to pray. And it really only is going to be effective if we allow God to do that and to show us those dark corners that we might not want to see, to shine his light into those corners, if you will. So we got to be really honest when we do it. Sure. But let me pray for you and your, your ex-husband. So Heavenly Father, I pray for Wanda. I pray for this uh, person she mentioned in her life who's caused her a lot of pain and grief. Lord, I, um, I pray, Lord, you would bring healing to her heart. Um, Lord, that those wounds from the past would become strong points in her life, Lord, things that you use for good in her life and for your purposes in her life, um, and that you would redeem them. And Lord, we pray for this individual who she's struggling with, and Lord, we do pray for his salvation. We pray that he would uh, be radically saved from substance abuse and from all the other illegal stuff he's involved in, whatever that might be. But we do pray for just a radical intervention in 
his life and that his eyes would be open, that he would be set free and that you would do this work. Um, Lord, please help Wanda to know, like, what, what is that balance between handing him over to you and yet not letting her heart uh, get hard or cold towards him? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You bet. Appreciate God bless it. you. Right, bye. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I think we've got time for one last question. Um, but before we before we go to our next caller, I actually want to get to someone who's texted in twice. I can tell that this question's really meaningful to him. So I'm going to go over to our text line real quick. Uh, we have a texter, anonymous person, who said, I just turned 20. I've been struggling with homosexuality for the past eight years. I ask that you uh, can pray and shed guidance for deliverance and strength. I want to be used by God, but I feel like I've been stuck for so long, and I'm so tired of living in this constant cycle of temptation and sin. Uh, To whoever you are, uh, I don't know if you're a brother or a sister struggling with this, here's my word to you, is that in Christ, the good news of the gospel is that we are not uh, defined by our desires, nor are we defined by our sins, nor temptations, but we're defined by who we are in Jesus. And in him, we can experience that freedom and strength that you long for, the the true deliverance. And so I just want you to know that my heart goes out to you, and I'm going to pray for you right now. And I want anyone else out there who says, you know, maybe you've been secretly struggling with this, um, and you you didn't have the courage to write in as this person did, but you're struggling. uh, I want to pray for you as well. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray for this individual who texted in, as well as those who who haven't texted in but struggle with similar things. Lord, I hear the tension in this person's text that it clearly obviously exists in their heart and soul, that they, they don't want to continue in this cycle of falling back into sin over and over. Lord, I pray for deliverance. I pray for strength. Lord, may, maybe the temptations will never go away. But Lord, would you strengthen this person in the midst of the temptation that they would be able to honor you with their life and with their body. And Lord, we, we remember the scripture in which you tell us in 1 Corinthians 10 that no temptation has overtaken us except that which is common to human beings and that you give us the strength to stand up under it when it comes. So Lord, I pray for this dear person Lord, give them the strength in the moment to turn to you, to cling to you, and to draw from you the strength that you offer by your spirit to have deliverance and strength in those moments. And Lord, we pray that this person would not live in condemnation, but they would live in the freedom that belongs to the sons of God through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that this person's faith and their they would be clinging to you Uh, as their hope and as their salvation and for strength. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them and let this uh, test turn into a great testimony. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've come up to the end of our show. We're not going to have time to go to our last caller. Joseph in Wheat Ridge had a great question. What is the image of the beast? He asked, is it a carved? Is it a digital, a deep fake AI, like in Revelation 13? Um, and he said, feel free to speculate or not. So I'm going to feel free to speculate. Uh, I personally think that the image of the beast will be something along the lines of uh, a digital deep fake AI image. I have uh, no reason to believe that other than it says that many people will fall for it. And, um, 
And that seems uh, not something that people in our day and age might do with a carved image, but uh, but much more likely with, in my opinion, and I, I could be wrong. We're all going to see at some point uh, what that is. And um, may God give us strength to stand up under it for those of us who will be there when it takes place. Um, before the end of the show, I just wanted to say um, a few things that I've been up to that if you're looking for more information, I mentioned my book earlier. If you haven't yet done so, I'd be honored if you check out uh, the book I recently wrote. It is available, by the way, at the Calvary Church Bookstore in Aurora, as well as in our bookstore here at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. And it is available also on my website, nickkady.org. It's a great book for anybody who's struggling with kind of the big questions of Christianity that people ask, like, did God condone genocide in the Old Testament? Does the Christianity encourage the suppression of women and minorities? What about hell? Can God really say, if God is good, how does he say that some love is wrong? Uh, does Christianity create hypocritical, hateful followers? And if it does, how can it be true? And, and some other questions. What about God who doesn't answer my prayers? Stuff like that. So uh, my heart and desire with the book was to provide a resource that would help both people who are struggling and people who want to be equipped to answer the questions of people who are asking questions like that. So you can check that out on my website, nickkd.org under book. And you can also uh, check it out in the bookstores or wherever you buy books online. It's been a great pleasure being with you. I will be with you again next Friday, which will be Good Friday. And until then, have a great weekend. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.